Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Did you see that picture of me as Post Malone? Yes, it was great. I think I'm going to... Did you have tinfoil in your mouth? Yeah, I had tinfoil grills and a tinfoil nose ring. <laughs> wow, are we, are amazing. Are we recording? We're recording. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Taking on Hollywood. I'm Sonny. I'm Alex. I'm also Post Malone. I can reveal now I'm the real one. Alex is Post Malone confirmed. If you saw the picture I did, you'll never see that the, picture. The, the, yeah, the facts are undeniable. Uh, Patreon.com. Uh, we'll release picture if we get uh, $3,000. $3,000 on Patreon. Three, yeah. and we'll release it. 3000 a month. And we'll release that picture. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, welcome back to Taking on Hollywood, the show where we talk about our film of the week. We'll have a little bit of a riff on um, our chosen subjects. Um, we have a yeah. little bit of a rant, a little bit of a thing, and then we go into the news, you know, the the delayed news. Yes, it's usually very delayed. Uh, don't rely on us to get your news source. It's usually a few weeks out of date because we prepare these in advance because it takes about a week to get through the editing anyway. Um, yeah, but... I'll tell yeah, you, I'm very specific it. about editing. Yeah, I've got my feet. Up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoy the editing part, but I just spend way too much time on it. I need to learn to stop being such a perfectionist. Anyway, um, if you're a, what if you listen to this on YouTube, I do that. That's my, I do that. One. Yes, Alex is the Da Vinci master. Well, no, I'm doing it. I'm, I do it in After Effects. Oh well, disregard what I just said. Planet of the Apes. I mean. Ooh. This movie, I know you. You said you were familiar with it, but you hadn't actually sat down. Well, and I think, watched I think it all anyone, through. I think anyone is familiar with it because they, they either know yeah. the twist ending because it's you know The Simpsons or I don't know, literally anything, or um, yeah, and and everyone knows Planet of the Apes. You say Planet of the Apes, everyone knows it, especially with these new prequels. I've not seen. I've not actually seen any of the sequels or prequels, but this movie is in my I've top seen, five movies of all time. I've seen the first. Um, remake, prequel right. remake with Andy Serkis and all that. It's the guy who does I, the Batman movies. It's the new Batman movies. While he's doing, does those three? Is it? Yeah, oh. I think it is. If it um, isn't, um, uh, please leave a comment or write in or whatever. There seems to be a historical connection between Batman directors and Planet of the Apes, then, because Tim Burton did the uh, the was it a nineties or early two thousands remake? Two thousand and one. He did the remake. Yeah. I've not Which, seen that uh, one. Either. We want this to is, talk about. Yeah, no. Um, as much as I love Tim Burton, like yeah, just, I'm going to stay away from that one. Um, I think I think the, just with our what was it our episode four, which was Charlie Chocolate Factory. That's enough Tim Burton for a <laughs> another another fifty episodes. Yeah, is that uh, episode episode number fifty six is going to be Batman nineteen eighty nine? Quotas on that. We will do that. What was that? That's episode? the goal. I have to write that down. 56. 56. We're going to quote okay. him on that. 56 is going to be Batman 1989. <laughs> Shouldn't it be 89? Oh, yeah, but it's a really good movie. I want to get around to it. <laughs> Fine. So we'll do episode eight, 
56 will be 89 and then episode 89 will be Batman Returns. There you go. That's very fitting. That's not going to happen, everyone, just so you know. Yeah. Anyway, Planet of the Apes, the film. Planet of the Apes. I've not seen any of the other ones, despite how much I love this movie. I just never got around to watching the sequels. Four of them? Four, yeah, four sequels. It's crazy. And there's the TV sequels. Yeah, apparently. It was, (laughs) it was, it was a big thing. Um, Disney actually owned the franchise now. So maybe we'll get more. Oh, because they bought Fox. They bought Fox, yeah. Um, so this maybe, movie, maybe we'll finally get that Planet of the Apes cinematic universe we've all been dreaming of. I'd love that, but I'd want it done in the style of these original movies. Weird, isn't it? Um, it is. I love the aesthetic of everything, but we'll get around to that. Um, I think we should start with, first of all, the directors and the writers, because there's some pretty interesting stories around how this movie came about. Uh, I know who wrote, co-wrote the film, but you, I'll let mm. you take over. Well, it was actually... Um, loosely based on a novel by a French writer called Pierre Boulle. I've seen that novel. I've seen that book and I was going to buy it, but then I chose a different one. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'd I'd be interested to read the book. Apparently it's quite different. I did. I read briefly about it. Apparently it's more of a tourists going on holiday to a different planet. And um, tourists going on holiday to the planet of the apes. Yeah, I think they the decided to go exploring in, in a space yacht. No, that's uh, spoilers for the book, but one of the big, the, the ending in the book is a twist, but it's not, it's not the same as the twist ending in the original. They, they were always on, in the film, they, they were always on an alien planet in the book. And the guy who wrote the movie, Rod Sterling, who also created the Twilight Zone, yes, I think he, he added that twist. So it's very fitting. It makes sense because he obviously was like, well, I, I was watching M, M. Night Shyamalan of his day. I was watching a, a well, and good as well. M. Night Shyamalan. It's not. Yeah, not yeah. Good. yeah. Ooh. But uh, Rod Ster, I was watching a video and it said, and this guy pointed out a lot of parallels between all Twilight Zone episodes and the Planet of the Apes. Because he sort of did the Twilight yeah. Zone and then I think then he did Planet of the Apes. And they're very similar. I guess that's just I think style. so. Yeah, he's he obviously loves a good twist ending and a bit of sci-fi and like a, a lot of his. I get the impression that his works have a lot of underlying meaning and messages. He likes to mess mm. with your brain, and this movie has, even though it's a, in the end, it's a goofy film about apes taking over the planet. About but it's so guy, about Charlton Heston, who is mostly in his pants, uh, running around getting netted, and <laughs> you or, blew it up. You maniac! Pointing an unloaded gun at someone and pretending it's for loaded. Yeah, the, the I props, noticed they that cli- they didn't have clips in. Yeah, I, I, how did they miss that? It's so obvious. They literally pointed directly towards the camera. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So um, the guy who, but the fun fact: the guy, the French writer who wrote *Planet of the Apes*, which in French is called *La Planète des Singes Signals*. I don't know. I'd like to like apologize to France <laughs> for that. Horrible we, yeah. butchering of your great language. I'll, uh, yeah, I apologize to France and Canada and anywhere else that speaks French. You know what? Planet of the Apes, the original book, was called in the UK. What? It's the most on the nose monkey planet. Monkey planet? <laughs> the book it? in the UK. It's like they were like, oh, the people over in the, the, people over in the UK, they, they do not understand. They, 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 they cannot comprehend. We call it monkey planet for them. Do you like my impression of French people? 
we'd like to apologize. Uh, our views, Sonny's views of French people and culture uh, do not reflect the views of Alex and the podcast on whole. He will be removed yeah. immediately. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it's just weird. They called it Monkey Planet in this country. In, in the US, it was called Planet of the Apes. In France, it was called Planet of the Apes. Over here, they were like, we'll call it Monkey Planet. Well, it's like yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Over What's here, they were called, called uh, they were called Teenage Mutant Action or Teenage Mutant Action Turtles or something. Because apparently, ninjas offensive, and it implies violence or something. Well, so so over here, they so changed it. Action. If you exactly, think it. it's it's just stupid. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, yeah, one the other writer, Michael Wilson, who who helped co-write the screenplay with uh, Sterling, he was actually blacklisted from Hollywood for being a communist. Oh, which I found interesting, and <laughs> so both both of the because Rod Sterling um, was also a um, he was a big. Uh, rights activist I, I get well no but he was a he's an activist for rights he wanted racial equality and everything and hollywood weren't happy about that because yeah, well if you look at twilight zone episodes like, yeah and this film as well like loads of his stuff is all about what what people do what society does wrong and what society does to improve and the big the whole point of planet of the apes is a sort of it's an allegory isn't it of yeah exactly it's 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 so weird that it's actually more relevant today with this virus going around than ever. And the people in power, I'm not going to um, draw too many comparisons, but Dr. Zayas is a man in power who's old, has ginger hair, denies facts and manipulates the truth to his own advantage. Yeah, if you're saying does that remind you of Trump, it's not because he has blonde <laughs> I, hair. I didn't say it. Well, yeah. Which the monkey still, does if you look at it. Oh my God. There you go. And he wears orange. And, you know, I'm, I didn't say anything. I'm just saying, you know, you, you can put two and two together. Okay. So um, the podcast now ended because the podcast uh, is it. I, I don't. <laughs> Thank you for listening. But there's to the a short lived <laughs> podcast. There's a lot of political, uh, religious, scientific, human and animal rights, equality messages in this film. It's, it's a, an extremely deep film, even though the premise is so simple. I was, um, something funny happened while I was watching, um, the film. Yeah. I had it on my TV, sat back. Um, right. It's film mm. ends. Right. And on my phone, I, I don't know why I'd done this, but I, I got the Seinfeld, we live in a society and I've been using it as a notification <laughs> and that like went really loud. And I was like, I thought that really fits. It so does. like it fades to black. We live in a society. I thought that had summed up the we themes of the film <laughs> perfectly. I've turned it off it now because it's really annoying. It it does. Um, we'll get onto. I guess we'll explore the themes and the characters more deeply. Shall but, we go um, to the um, opening scene, which is a monologue with Charlton Heston, who is oh uh, my God. the lead in the film. Where what a great, a, great monologue. Well, I can, I can, I can really understand what he's saying because he was mumbling with a big cigar in his mouth. <laughs> that was weird. He no, had a cigar I, on a spaceship. I'm going to address the elephant of the room. I didn't. I've never seen a Charlton Heston film before this one. I don't think I have. And I've now I've realised that he um, sounds exactly. No, no, I can see. Um, you know the Troy McClure from The Simpsons. Yeah, 
he sounds exactly the same. I think they just did an impression. And then there's an episode yeah. of The Simpsons where they do a musical version of Planet of the Apes. Oh, I watched uh, that this morning. And I couldn't get <laughs> it out great. of my head that for the Dr. whole Zayas, time. Dr. Zayas, I could, Dr. I could, Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. It's great. I was, I was just like, that. so it sort of distracted me to thinking about Troy McClure and the musical version <laughs> of The Simpsons. But the film was still great in my eyes. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Heston has some... His his performances like Pacino and 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 Nicolas Cage. It's so it's just so unique the way it's he so acts, but it's so brilliant, isn't he? He's not he's not yeah. a nice guy either. This the guy the guy he plays. No, uh, well he's, he's not bit, nice, but he's, he's kind a of a bit, bit provocative, and he's a bit arrogant. Yes, and he's a bit of a womanizer, nihilist as well, because he's all like humans yeah. are scum, not. Yeah, so he's, many um, words, but yeah, it's a, it's a different take on protagonists, and I have to say, I actually side in the eventually I side with Zayus on this movie, wow. which might be controversial, uh, even though so I don't like him. So I think what you're saying because for in your own words, we can go back on this podcast. You said Doctor Zayus is like <laughs> Trump. Well, so the worst, agree. the <laughs> no, the worst parts of Zayus are like Trump, but unlike Trump, he's justified in his deception. I think. And uh, I think we, that's why okay. it makes him such a complex character because he has, I don't agree with him. I don't, I don't agree with what he does, but I see where see, he's coming I, from. I can, yeah, you can see where he's coming from. That's why I think he's, a, I don't think he's a great person. I think he's a great character. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, uh, and, and, so, he, and it's really impressive. They can like, you can go for the whole two hours of the film, and then the whole, and then the last line that guy Doctor Zayas says is just recontextualizes the entire film. You could go back and watch it again and go, "Oh, yeah, absolutely." I mean, I watched this film as a kid first, and it very it was a blur, but I know I enjoyed it. And I went back and watched it again as a teenager, um, and loved it then. And I still kind of got the twist ending, but you kind of forget about it. You forget um, the twist ending. That's the only part anyone knows. Well, that's because the first time I watched it, I kind of knew about the Statue of Liberty twist, but I didn't quite get it. And then I watched the film and then I understood because I knew the imagery of the Statue of Liberty, but I didn't understand yeah. the message until I watched the film. Um, yeah, I think that was the same for me, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when I watched it this time, again, it was, uh, you, you saw it through the lens of that final scene and, and, and you notice that a lot of the things Zayas alludes to and a lot of the things the, the apes do yeah. And the way they act and what they, it's all put into a new perspective. And I love films that do that. They hit you with a bombshell at the end that changes your entire perspective on the movie. And when you watch it again, it's completely fresh. It feels new, even though you've yeah. seen it before. That's how, when you do first that's, exploring. How you do a, that's how you do a twist ending. The twist ending shouldn't just be like, oh my God, it should also, it should be that. And it should also be, um, Significant. It should, it should also make you want to watch the film again because you should be able to hint between through it throughout the film leading up to it, and then when it happens, people can go back. The twist end should service rewatch value of a film. That's why I think anyway. Absolutely. That's why I think it's one of the greatest twist endings in cinema, if not the greatest, because it adds so much to the film. The first time you watch it, um, I guess we'll get into how it starts. They they crash landing on on a supposed alien planet, uh, Taylor, like, Dodge, and Landon. And it, but they're but they're also in um, cryo sleep. Yeah, like, and one of them fails so for some it, reason. Um, yeah, it's not explained, but there's a there's a lady astronaut. Well, I want to point Stuart. out that the Charlton Heston's character uh, Taylor has a lit cigar, right? 
He's smoking on a spaceship, which, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a different time. (laughs) I don't know, because I think they would have known you can't smoke on a spaceship because, yeah, because a year later they go to the moon, uh, America. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, um, so then what he does, this is, this made me cry my eyes out. He puts the lit cigarette in his pocket, in a cloth nylon pocket on his arm. I was like, that guy's going up in smoke. Any second now. <laughs> and he goes to sleep. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I gotta say, the premise is out there, but it works. I mean, it's yeah. such a despite some of the props on that ship, okay, they were clearly just used sound foam and sprayed it white and then made a wooden panel. If they do some close ups and in modern restoration you can see like how uh not cheaply, there's a lot of effort put into the set, but you can see that it's yeah. not the best it's it's, it's like not, it's like it's, theater it's not star trek original series bad yeah with like the yeah button, the dials which don't move when people are twist moving them but having said that some of the 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 effects in this movie the, the cinematography makeup. in this movie is fantastic yeah, it's rev- it was revolutionary the it allowed the performance of the actors to come through. Some movies nowadays go way overboard with the prosthetics and somehow this movie from or they just, 50 uh, years ago. Yeah. But yeah. when they do do it, like um, in the Mandalorian, uh, Queel, that's an animatronic. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it looks great. But when he talks, it's not quite believable. In this movie, it's 100% believable. I think I don't know some, how they did there it. Was, there were some cases when you see the mouse move, but then there's yeah. some cases where the mouse don't move and they're talking, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. But the, but the but definitely the the eyes and the facial expressions come through, and I was really impressed with that. I was like, wow, yeah. The the performance of the actors isn't lost, which which is why I like. And the guy who um, did the effects, the makeup on this yeah. film, John Chambers, actually won an Oscar for outstanding well makeup. And uh, the composer as well was nominated yeah, Jerry for best Goldsmith, original score. Who is the guy who did Star Trek? Yeah, oh, this the the soundtrack for this movie is so brilliant. Just like the aesthetic of the ape city, it's primitive yet futuristic in sci-fi. Like it yeah. has the drums, it feels like ancient human music, but then it has a bit of like a creepy sci-fi vibe to it. It's perfect for the movie. Yeah, definitely. Because everything um, there's always yeah. a, you're always like a bit like. I definitely like when thinking back after the twist and you find out uh, spoilers it's on earth the whole time yeah if you hadn't guessed that already by what we'd said well well i i was a bit like i looked back and i was thinking well how does he not figure it out they're all speaking english yeah that i and didn't they, think they that, have human then. names <laughs> and i yeah, was like well when i first watched it i was like oh it's just it's just star trek rules where everyone speaks english regardless yeah of uh whatever yeah there's a, there's there's always a certain suspension of disbelief with these movies yeah if they were talking in tongues it would be like oh this i'm not gonna sit through two hours of subtitles it would then the performance would be lost in a way so i yeah. understand why well it just you uh, know it's cr- creative decision and then um yeah so you like they crash land on the the planet which is really a creative sequence with the camera like they probably just put it like it looks like they just chucked out of a plane and then just yeah made it was it going all over it the was, place it was brilliant but it was also made me giggle a little because it was quite cheesy but i liked it well i think the camera work in the film in general is really impressive for oh, 19, yeah, 1968 you, you remember the size of the cameras you had the big film thing on the top it wasn't just like a like a 
what is it like an Alari Alexa, which you can have now? Which yeah, it was. It was. They can go uh, tiny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but even the cameras today are like you have to. It, they're seriously heavy. Like, some of them could be as as heavy as a small child. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, so obviously, but so like, back then, I'm saying exactly back then, this was they were even bigger. A shot really stood up to heavier. me when when he jumps over the camera and it's like a underneath him, and yeah, the camera follows him. I was like, how do they do that? At the floor, you'd never, huh? you'd never believe that the guy who shot this, Leon Shamroy, was sixty-seven when he made when he shot this movie. And <laughs> first of all, I was like, this is this was his last movie, and what a way to go out! Um, yeah, definitely. He was he. This was four years before he died. He made this movie, so he kept going like till the end. So, but he actually. Uh, shares the record for the most number of Oscar nominations for cinematography with Charles Lang in history. So yeah. I was like, that's pretty impressive. Um, and during his 50 year career, he gained 18 nominations and four wins. 18 um, nominations? For, I think it was it Academy Award? Was it Academy? I don't know, some other award. So yeah, um, he won Oscars, he won other awards. This is like the dream. Um, this is like the A team. They got the A team to make this weird yeah. sci fi film that. Doesn't really make sense, but people seem to like. For like, if you look it, at it yeah. on paper, it's like the the guy crash landed is on a planet of apes, and then it turns out, you know, it it's a really it shouldn't work, but it does. And people, are, it, and at the time, it was a commercial and critical success. So people, it's like Star Wars. It. Everyone, everyone thought it was too out there, too weird. Same with Star Trek, actually. Well, people are always like that at sci-fi, so it kind of led to that sci-fi revolution. But they embrace so much new technology in this film. Like um, handheld shots weren't really a thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I really noticed that. I was like, what? Yes, yeah, they, so they were. Definitely amazing, they were definitely amazing. They were. It is it, handheld was new around then, apparently, and um, they they would just get used to it, which is why a lot of them were quite jittery and out of focus because it wasn't something that was regularly practiced. But just to know that this sixty-seven-year-old guy was still embracing these new techniques and this new technology was, was quite it, like definitely yeah i mean very open-minded and we're in the stage of 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 a, of a bit of a revolution in how that all works now as well with all this virtual production stuff so yeah it's this is the same year as 2001 a space Odyssey, yeah. i think 68 right yeah and imagine, imagine being to going to the cinema and seeing these two movies. I would be, my mind would be blown. My mind was blown when I saw two thousand and one. My mind was blown when I saw this. My, I have a, my mind's blown quite easily. To be fair, but you know, like I'm but like, this, wow, a, a moving <laughs> image. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't the nineteen hundreds, but still, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what my <laughs> that's where I go. A moving my, image. Come, uh, come on, come look, look on the teleprompter. Anyway, um, look at these what moving, was that? Look at these dancing, moving images. Look wow. at these people, they're monkeys. My God, how do they do it? They're talking monkeys. Oh my God. What I mean, I'll say, talking even dogs? today, <laughs> even today, this movie is very impressive. Yeah, in definitely. many ways. So imagine what it would have been like back then. I mean, I won't be surprised if people thought like they go to the zoo and they try and see the monkeys talk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people. It would have been if you didn't know how the sausage was made, which most people didn't, so to speak. It's uh, 
Well, they yes, get the, they get the ground pork meat and they put it in the skin. Do you like that? Make <laughs> thing. Really, I didn't and know. They, that. And then you twist it and you make more. <laughs> it's quite it's quite a simple process. Oh my really. god! Wow. If only making movies was that easy. I'm sure well, sausage makers and it, it no, no, no offense doing. to sausage makers. Or movie makers, where I just said it's quite easy. Yeah, it is. Objectively, I don't know. I'm going to stop now. Okay. Well, the the film, uh, it was really cool. What I really liked was um, it's 30 minutes in before you see an ape, and they do. Yes, they do focus on it. I checked. I was like, I've not seen an ape for quite a long time. Yeah, this was. um, And they zoom in on the the thing, don't they? Yeah. I love that they, for the first 30 minutes, you think it's going to be adventure between these three scientists, the astronauts. Well, I, I, um, I, I they thought they completely like, throw you off. I thought it would have been like, yeah, adventure with these three scientists. And I was like, oh, it's building up nice bit of tension here because the movie's called Planet of the Apes and we haven't seen an ape yet. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, even though you know that, it goes in a direction that you wouldn't predict like two of them just disappear one of them actually gets stuffed and put in a museum you see later on which is freaky oh, God. yeah that um, is freaky the guy the guy actually moved <laughs> did he move he kind of like moved forward a little um it was the weird. poor guy got lobotomized the other one yeah i mean some of the things in this movie were freaky like that lobotomy scene even though it's simple it's freaky when the apes scream and the humans run when you first hear them that was freaky well, so yeah, imagine what it's it like, like back then because you see the apes, um, it zooms yeah. in, but then they don't speak for another five minutes. I love that, that they don't actually reveal the apes straight away when they're ambushed, which is a whole freaky scene. Those scarecrows are freaky. Yeah, they were weird. The, you actually see a glimpse of the humans before you actually fully see them uh, climbing on the rocks subtly, and I like but that. But they go skinny was, dipping, don't they? Yeah, but even before then, you see hints of the humans. Do you? If you look closely, there's yeah, you kind of can see them running about. I think Um, that poor guy. A lot lot of white shots. You know, you know when they get their clothes stolen. That guy got his. That guy got the short straw because he just gets like a yeah, a a raw deal, like a like a tarp that he just puts over himself. Charlton Heston has his trousers. The other guy has some trousers, (laughs) but this other guy, the guy gets stuffed. Uh, what's his name? Dodge or something? Dodge, yeah. He gets, Dodger. Uh, I think it's Dodger. Who knows? If you know, if you're listening, um, please write in Dodge from the film. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure he's still around. Um, oh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence with the skinny dipping was weird, but it was necessary because obviously they had to look primitive to the apes. They couldn't be wearing space suits. So. Well, I thought like these guys are highly trained astronauts, and the first sign of water, they go immediately yeah. strip naked and jump in. It, I was like, it could have been it could toxic. Be acid. It could be acid. Yeah, it could have been horrible microbes in there that eat you alive. Yeah. And also, this one scene where they go, "Hey, come over here, look," and they all look down, but it doesn't pan down straight away. <laughs> so it went from, like, from the squat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, but yeah, that whole sequence was odd. But in that exploration sequence, there's a lot of great wide shots. There it's, are, and, and it's like it's, them, it's brilliant. You can see them silhouetted in like small things on the horizon. I was like, oh, beautiful. Mm. Chef's kiss. A- apparently, I, I didn't see this, but it was a, a little bit trivia. I found there's a man stood by a car in one of the wide shots, apparently in the distance. Which <laughs> was funny. I didn't see it, but apparently, apparently maybe, it's there, maybe so. he's fossilized from the nuclear bomb. Yeah, possibly. Spoilers. Oh yeah, spoilers. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, but that, um, when we first get introduced to the apes after that whole, uh, I noticed noticed something, the first line, the first apes that speak, uh, they're getting their photos taken and they're like, it's like, oh, they're all smiling with their rifles and uh, like a pile of dead humans below that. That's a, and then they, for some reason they have like a weird, like 18th century camera, like one of the first cameras ever. Yeah, I think the idea is that I love that in a way because the well, entire society is a, a mishmash of technology. Well, it's a um, that's a reference to like old Victorian explorers who yeah. would like you know like go, "Hey, Timmy, come on, I've just shot this Bengal tiger. Come on, get a yeah, get like a phone. Uh, I'll get a photo." Was Teddy Roosevelt? I think was famous, the president. Um, no, not anyone else. Kind of called Teddy, Teddy was. Yeah, just to clarify. Uh, he was famous for that kind of picture, but it yeah. says a lot. Again, it's a message of animal rights. Like you see these shocking pictures of humans being stuffed and thrown about like animals and put in piles and taken photos of for amusement. And then it makes you think like, well, that's, that's what we what, do to that's animals. That's what we do to monkeys. <sighs> and we can, we can get, yeah, exactly. We can get angry at these monkeys all we want, these apes and gorillas. and But like, um, how is what they're doing? Yeah. But that's why I don't like his character. I like his character, but I don't like, him as a person because he yeah. doesn't have perspective he's very aggregate whereas zeus while he's wrong he has perspective um yeah definitely and i, I love that message of like you can't get angry at the, their society because it's exactly what they what we do to them and that they view us as lesser beings and in a way the humans are in a way lesser beings because they can't communicate properly they can't speak they're not as intelligent well they can't speak because for some reason like they, they say something that the animal psychologist lady who's an ape yeah. says they she says in the trial scene she says why they they're just they why are they mute they have all the function to speak but they can't i think they just don't have the intelligence in yeah, a way maybe. like it's a lost art um yeah yeah it's yeah right. cornelius <laughs> and zero i mean they're great characters if we, we get onto them um, well can we just go before that when in that chase scene uh, the guy gets lobotomized oh. That guy yeah. falls off a cliff. I, I don't know if that's yeah. a double. And that people, and before a, a that, lot. people jump off the cliff as well and I, land. I, I, I was, I, I was, um, I was watching this and I was just thinking they could not have afforded to hire this many stunt actors, professionals. Yeah, they must have some... just told the extras to jump off a cliff, <laughs> which wouldn't be allowed today. But good lord, like well, you could tell, some of them weren't trained act- trained stunt actors either. Like some of them actually looked like they hurt themselves. Last night I was watching a, a DVD commentary um, yeah. for a Game of Thrones episode. Uh, the one where, um, if you want to find out which one I was listening to, big reveal. It was the the Attack on the Wall episode. Anyway, and right. and they said, and the late uh, the person who plays Egret, uh, Rose Leslie. She said she wasn't even allowed to run in some scenes because it was so like it was icy. Really? I mean, to be fair, they were filming on a glacier, but um, you know. yeah. I mean, so that the, whole sequence was great, and the introduction to the, the ape society proper—that's the next big thing. I do like section. that the apes aren't actually revealed straight away as well. Before we introduce them, we see the guns being held in their hands. We see the horses. We see we hear the cries, but we we don't see their faces. We see the weird sticks that are just like whacking. Yeah. And, and then it reveals, and and that must have been so shocking for people in the sixties, because it is now. And well, yeah, so I love that. There's whole a lot thing, of um, that whole introduction. There's a lot of zoom ins, isn't there? 
yeah to things that, like the, the apes that, well apparently the, um there was a thing called, oh, let me i've got it written down somewhere because it was a term that like crash zooms apparently they were very trendy for the time because they were a new technology that allowed you to do it yeah so they would apparently film films were just full of that kind of thing Chunk full of so they kind of can't yeah, get enough of crash zooms wide shots handheld it was all Tickets were flying out of the box office just for crash zooms. People didn't mind what the film was. Yeah. Rosemary's yeah, Baby. Yeah, they didn't care. 2001, you know, uh, Ben-Hur. I don't know. Yeah. What's another old but film? Again, like, the, the man who shot this, the, the cinematographer who shot this was 67. This was his last film, and still he was embracing these new techniques. So I was amazed by that. I thought it would have been someone young and new. But, yeah. With a bit of pepper in his pack. Yeah, but this, I mean, clearly this guy was very forward thinking a lot of the people who worked on this film were forward thinking the writers were yeah the director um just everyone you didn't mention who the director was do you know his name it's um i've, forgotten. I've got it here here we go franklin j schaefer schaffner what, what's what's he done uh, what anything um, else he's i done? looked him up he's not really done anything else that i personally recognize or note so Kind of well, he did a great movie. Uh, if you're related or a big fan of this guy, please write in and allow us there to. Was, uh, yeah, there was one old, about. really old movie that I that I found. That I was like, that rings a bell. But outside of that, it was kind what's, of. What's it called? I think, can you remember? No, I can't, I can't remember the name. But well, a lot of it was before was before Planet of the Apes, I think, and a lot of the movies from the '60s and before kind of have gone below the radar now. So it's movies like these that survive because they were so modern. They were so forward thinking. Well, yeah, because so, like, um, no one can really remember all those studio films, you know. Like, exactly. There was just would, so many. You would rock up nine to five for like, what was it? From like the start of cinema in like the 1900s to yeah. 69. It was all like, you would go to a studio a lot in Hollywood. Uh, he would like just mm. talk to a camera basically. And there'd be very little um, movie making. It would, a lot of the shots would be static, you know. Like nowadays, yeah, you get the, loads, the movie, loads of creative camera moves. And that was sort of, in the 70s, that was sort of when it began. Everyone was doing like crazy stuff, you know. Well, exactly. This, I'd say Planet of the Apes kind of defined new genres and defined action and redefined Well, yeah, I think sci-fi. And, and Kubrick films definitely did. Yeah. They brought it into the public eye and then George Lucas did that even further with them. Um, yeah, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, Spielberg. When when those guys kicked off, that's when yeah, movie making became but, like people were like, wow. Yeah, I think I think they just used to kind of churn them out cheaply because if you look at like Stan and Ollie that movie, they show the behind the scenes of how they made Laurel and Hardy films. As much as I love them, it was literally like rear projection. Here we go, do some yeah. It was some stuff. guy in a cigar like they looking, were well not not looking at the, yeah. the the actors going yeah do that all right keep it going they were brilliantly written and made by these geniuses but then the studios just started to churn them and churn them out and yeah i, I think that's why a lot of them go under the radar so it's ones like this that stand out and it i mean this feels like it feels very ahead of its time i would not if you asked me to guess what year that was made i'd probably say eight early 80s late 70s if i had to guess so, if you didn't know like anything if i didn't know and 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 kind of obviously you could tell by the quality of the movie and the, the the acting it has that 60s vibe of being slightly over the top and a bit theatrical but outside very of William, that well, he, very william shatner in places yeah i like that though i mean i i, I hope I, I i personally think they should make movies like they did in the 60s still 
because a lot of movies are very real. They're very VFX intense. They're very dramatic. But sometimes I just want to watch a movie that's kind of isn't perfect. It isn't. Um, well, you've got you know fifty years of sixties movies to get through. So yeah. Like that. That that'd be something I'd be interested in doing. Making a movie in exactly how they would have made it in the sixties with the with actors trained in that style, the same equipment. That I think that'd be quite interesting in the modern day. Yeah, it would. It'd be quick. Yeah, that is there you a, go. Well, that we're copyrighting That's project. That. That's we're copyrighting. Yeah, that, uh, no one can use that. No one steal it. Oh god. But yeah, I think I think that'd be brilliant. I'd I'd, I'd buy two that's tickets. Really, I'd that's buy really five interesting. Tickets. We should do an episode on Ed Wood then. That's a Tim Burton film actually. And it's oh. a oh, I won't go into details. I'll t- I'll tell you off there anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, what was what were we talking about before we got off on um, a tangent? Well, uh, introduce introduction to uh, Zira, the and Cornelius and the Ape Society. That's where kind of the movie yeah. starts to become Planet of the They Apes are very and- ineffective um, means of catching humans because the two yeah. horses and the net. <laughs> Every time that happened, it didn't work, but they keep doing it. Yeah, it was weird. But yeah, there was certainly... It, um, it was definitely like a definitely alien, but it wasn't too alien because they still had like pens and, yeah. and paper. I, and, I, I liked it that they had this mishmash of technology. It's like, yeah. they, it's like they'd evolved exactly like humans had, but obviously there would be differences. In, in some other universe, we might have invented the plane before the, I don't know, well, they say flight is impossible. Well, yeah, but they've got like fire hoses and um, pens and guns, guns like yeah. modern guns, but they still haven't invented the car or flight. Or the, or the camera. They haven't even invented the concept of flying, apparently, because he makes the paper yeah. aeroplane and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's they are. They're like, he makes the paper aeroplane in like 30 seconds, throws it, and they're like, they look like they've just seen jesus arise from the yeah. cave or whatever or, but i loved all that stuff and their society the way it's inside their clothes feel slightly sci-fi and futuristic but also primitive their whole well, it is weird. city like, does everyone wears if you're like a orangutan or a, a, a chimpanzee you have to wear yeah those specific outfits with very slight variations in the original planet of the apes continuity in these movies every species of ape had a different role um, it was weird. The orangutans were the politicians and priests and administrators. Um, the ch- yeah, well, I did get that. I, was, yeah. I thought that was like a them talking about, so like the apes act as if they're like bigger than what humans used to be. Yeah, but they still segregate. But they still have a class, they still have a class structure and it's not overtly stated, but they do mention like, yeah, well, gorillas do this and chimpanzees can't do that and orangutan as well don't get me started again it's that it's that racial equality i think coming through where the orangutans have yeah. proclaimed themselves superior so they get to be in charge the chimpanzees are the um the researchers and the general citizens and the gorillas well, are the chimpanzees, enforcers. they seem like the chimpanzees seem like the the most common yeah yeah definitely i think that's the implication is like the chimpanzees are the elite few um, the gorillas are the strongest, but not necessarily the wisest. The warriors, the chimpanzees yeah. are like, the, yeah. And so it's it's an interesting. I like that message as well of society and societal structure and prejudice and race. So again, yeah. uh, all these themes are like. It seems like a goofy creative decision at first, but I, I knowing that the writers of this, knowing their uh, beliefs. I wouldn't be surprised if they did yeah, it. They did uh, it on political purpose. leanings yeah. and stuff like that. 
I mean, they were extremely forward thinking for their time, both in terms of filmmaking and society. Um, the, uh, yeah. the actors in the eighth makeup, they all, they're all fantastic. Yeah. They, they have a slight waddle. They have these little mannerisms. So, yeah. They, 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 they sort of act like monkeys, but and, not quite. It's yeah, it's great. Not, obviously, obviously not like, not like, um, how Andy circus does, you know, with his two like crutches he yeah. puts on his arms. And he's I mean, like, he's on another like level. He's like, Good Lord. Like it's brilliant, absolute genius. Yeah, but but they they do like they have mannerisms. They have like ape like mannerisms. They but they still are very expressive, even though they're caked in like probably like th- three inches of makeup. Yeah, I think that's a testament to both the makeup and and the actor's performance and their ability to. I, yeah. I do remember this uh, story. I, I've I've heard. Yeah, like ages ago. Apparently, the one of the guys who was an ape, he just couldn't be bothered taking it off, so he would just like drive home. In the ape makeup, and people would see him like this guy and a monkey <laughs> driving a car. <laughs> and this, I've seen the behind-the-scenes photo where a guy is uh, one of the guys in the monkey mask is wearing is looking through the lens of the camera. That's funny. Uh, that that'll be on the YouTube video, everyone. So look out for that. <laughs> but yeah, um, Cornelius and Zira, the people who play them, Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter, they were brilliant. The guy who plays yes. Zayas, Maurice Evans brilliant they're all all these actors fantastic yeah just great um i thought the guy who played the uh the orangutan lawyer was pretty good as well yeah he i mean every, everyone he stood out to me yeah they were i think all those lawyers administrators like zayas were all quite intriguing to me they were all these they're like protect well they, they actually have the titles they have different titles zayas is the minister of science and chief defender of the faith which seems uh, but they contradictory. See, they see what well, they see faith as is science. Their religion yeah. is science, and I I love the message that that sends, especially in the modern day, because a lot of politicians, a lot of people, use religion in defense or in defiance of science, and that actually happens. Yeah, like in the U.S., you see Trump; he literally denies fact and will say that God intends this or something, and you're like. Welcome to uh, taking on politics, our spin-off podcast. But, you know, this movie, this movie political. is very political, and yeah, it's very political. You the, can't really avoid the, yeah, the messages. The the messages are so strong and they're so relevant, and I feel like they always will be. And I, the writers are just, just geniuses because they're basically saying to people, just because you're in a position of power doesn't mean you're right. You can't deny science, this, this, like you can't deny evolution, this, and they literally do in this film. Yeah, this movie really wanted me to make, really made me want to go back and watch all Twilight Zone episodes. Me too, yeah. Because it, it seems like I would really enjoy them. I, d- I don't know how you get them, especially in the UK where we are. Yeah, when I found out that the guy who wrote Twilight Zone wrote this, I was like, I've got to watch it then because I've never seen a full, like, I've seen clips, but I've never yeah, sat through I've, a full episode. I've seen, I've seen a, the scary door, which is the Futurama parody of it. <laughs> That's all I've seen. I think I saw a clip I've once seen, of like a I man saw, being a pig. I don't know, something like I've that. I've seen um I've seen the new the reboot one with uh, Jordan Peele, which uh did people like that? I enjoy, I enjoyed the one I have watched. I know there was a reference but, to it in Third Rock from the Sun, because William Shatner met um uh, uh John Lithgow's character. And they both in the original in reboot played the character who saw an alien um like an alien or a creature on the wing of a plane. And when Shatner flies oh, in to oh, meet yeah. them, he was like, I was on the plane and I saw something on the wing. And then John Lithgow just goes, me too. It was great. I love the oh. reference. Wait, so John Lithgow was in a reboot. 
he was in the reboot of uh, of the Twilight Zone, and he played Shatner's uh, character. How many how many reboots have there been? Probably like three or four. I mean, there always is. Just look at Planet of the Apes again. There's been three sequels, two reboots, three yeah, four sequels. Yeah, for, for it, yeah. four Lord. sequels to this one, a TV show in the 70s, and then the three new ones. Yeah. And then Disney are probably going to make more. So, well, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what that is. But um, yeah, uh, the Can themes. We start of, hashtag, hashtag everyone at Disney. Um, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag 60s Planet, Planet Apes. Apes. Yeah. <laughs> Planet Apes reboot, but not really. Continuation. Yeah. Um, a th- a f- what is that? Like a 50, a 40 year sequel? Yeah. Do a Force Awakens style sequel to uh, yeah. Planet of the Apes. But make it more original. Of people, Ooh. Most of the people in this are dead, I think. I think so, probably. Yeah. Um, the So, yeah, on the. Um, I guess we'll move to the court scene talking about Zeus and the orangutans and ministers. They're yeah, all. That that. Well, no, let's actually quickly. Um, Charles Heston's character is captured and uh, yeah. they call him Bright Eyes for some reason. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I guess it's because he has like a. You can see that he's got more behind his eyes. He's not just a docile animal. I thought he's, I he's, thought he he's, blue he's aware. Eyes. I was like, I couldn't. I, I can't remember if he actually has blue eyes, but I was like, uh, does he have blue eyes? And that's why they call him Bright Eyes. I think, I think the implication. It was, really, it was really interesting how they. Um, they made him quiet for like a good chunk of the film. I like that because if he just started speaking immediately, but it shows that this, this perfectly intelligent, this probably, he's probably quite clever. He's a scientist. He's been to space. Like he probably knows a lot. And this man, well, yeah, they take it, they take away his voice and instantly they see him as a docile, stupid animal. And I think again, it says a lot about animal and human rights Yeah, where it's not as necessarily what you see. You look at an animal, you're like stupid animal. Most people, but you don't, we don't know, you know. So I, 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 I love that I message. Don't, I don't. I don't look at animals like that. Ever since like, a dolphin beat me at chess, I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely livid. Yeah, but it sends a message again of like all they did was take away his ability to speak, and yet he was, and from that he was, and they were like treated horribly, and they like they were like, no, he's mimicking when he was trying to mouth words. Yeah, it's like when he was like, I can write. They were like. You see, uh, Zeus, he kicks away the thing. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, I like, writes, I like throughout this movie, like, he does that kind of little things like that. Like he crushes the airplane, gets rid of the drawing in the sand, throws away the doll. Yeah. He's a very quick writer, though, Charles Heston. Yeah. Because he writes like a whole like page of stuff in like three seconds and then hands <laughs> in the courtroom scene and hands it to Colonelius. Yeah. And I was maybe, like, wow. Maybe it's a. Uh, Maybe that's how he got to be such a great scientist. I don't know. Really fast writing. Really fast career. at writing. But what we're talking about, oh yeah, bright eyes. Uh, <laughs> so that was really, it was really interesting. Just like, what did you think of uh, the lady who, uh, he, I'm doing air quotes, falls in love with? Yeah, I, I really didn't like that element of this film. She felt unnecessary. She doesn't serve a purpose. I don't see the point. Well, yeah, she like, it does seem like a bit like, Wow. Oh my god. Like they even like like all the other humans look a bit like hairy and a bit like ooh like like Neanderthal ick. Yeah. But then like the the, the the it's like the clouds part and then there's just like this supermodel comes through. But then she's still like ooh <laughs> No, she doesn't speak at all. She doesn't even go yeah. She's still mute. She doesn't, she doesn't make any noise. Um but that that felt like your 
kind of almost compulsory sixties cheesy womanizer. Yeah, they gotta have a they gotta yeah. have a, a girl in it. it I don't think it has a place in the film, but it's there. But it doesn't do anything. Well, I mean, she doesn't say anything. So exactly. Really she say. literally I, was it. I, it wasn't um, a big deal. Rewatching this movie, I was like, does she have a purpose? Does she have purpose? She must have a purpose. I must be misremembering it. Does she die? Does anything happen? Get to the end of the movie. No, no nothing. Literally, literally nothing. Like she's just there. She just tags along for the ride. Yeah, maybe. Not and crazy. it doesn't help with the argument that, that humans are, that humans are at least on par with the apes, which maybe they were supposed to convey is that ironically, the apes are all being a bit civilized and, and orderly and he's like i won't leave without woman like it's very caveman like so i don't know whether that's well, intentional to to make him seem more primitive and create a bit of irony or whether it's just because well, like well he is sort action of heroes have to have a, a, a woman with them or something it's a bit strange because he's the embodiment of the humans who destroyed earth but then again he isn't because he has the perspective he has the he has a regret he says uh, um at the start of the film when they're just wandering the desert he says um like humans have like are arrogant people i was like well so are you what if come yeah. on that in itself is arrogant it's like how jedi say really- that sith only de- only sith deal in absolutes like wait what like, can, we get, can we get a ding can we get a ding 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 ding, 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 ding. star wars, star wars episode, actually it's the second star wars reference of the episode is it we referenced queel earlier <laughs> oh, well so ding ding, ding 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 a, a second ding 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 noise when we edit this. <laughs> we have to get a Star Wars button that we can press. This says shut up. Yeah, it says scream it. It says stay on target. Stay on target. Um, oh god, like we can't have the stop the stop talking about Star Wars <laughs> button be a Star Wars reference. Yeah, that would be kind of uh, kind of like saying Sith dealing absolutes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. That whole womanizer, he he kisses Zyra at the end. Just to jump to the end really quick, um, he kisses Zyra, Doctor Zyra. That also felt a bit womanizer. Oh, kind of like why? I've seen I've seen clips from. Um, I thought like, oh, it's got a kiss from the cheek. No, yeah, he went full on like, no, yeah, it was. I was like, and everyone, everyone in the film's like, what the what the hell's going on? Is it like a, a rule that he has to kiss the two women in the film? And, and this was kind of before that whole, you know people actually realize that women aren't just there to serve as a, yeah. a whatever to the main character like leia was one of the first examples of actually a strong woman who actually had ding, a ding, 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 ding. we got our second there you third, go. third star wars, star wars reference, reference. but that's true it's it's it just in cinema she was one of the first to to be a realistic yeah, depiction of women not just a damsel in distress who's probably there to not, be probably kissed not, I want to say this, one, probably not the first but like the most like the most main the one who sort of yeah kicked, Kickstarter mainstream. mainstream stuff, you know. But um, that was weird. Yes, yeah, um, it was all. All, actually, the, all that was weird. They make it. Even, I've seen clips of the Tim Burton one, and they make it even oh, worse because there's a there's a because it's not just a peck on the cheek. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, who is the main <laughs> character in that one, he actually falls in love with the Helen the Bottom Carter monkey person. Oh God! Well, that's very Tim Burton, though, isn't it? And then there's a weird. Um, monkey uh um scene oh no in it <laughs> well i don't know who there's a reason i've not watched any of the remakes <laughs> a monkey um scene like i don't think we can say it unless we want to get black 18 plus uh, yeah. wait for the 18 plus version of this podcast coming on i can <laughs> say it 
but yeah. Um, so are we at the are we at the courtroom scene? We've seven, yeah. We're like, that's what we're going to talk about it twice and gone back. If this is my favorite scene. I, I often find that courtroom scenes are my favorite in movies, like in To Kill a Mockingbird. They're just so great. If I ever write a movie, what I've got to get a courtroom um, scene in there. Well, my favorite Star Trek episode is yeah. the courtroom. Well, they do loads of courtroom episodes in Star Trek. And they're what, all the amazing. one with Q? The, the, the one with Q, the one with Data, the one with... Um, the one with... Uh, in the original series, which is... Uh, one of the few episodes I can actually, you know, sit through without laughing. <laughs> uh, the one, you know, the one with Pike, and the one they parody in um, uh, Futurama, which is another great episode. Oh, but yeah, to, um, you said to kill a mockingbird. That's great. great yeah, that, that oh. as well. Another great movie. We've got to cover that at some point. But Judge Judy. Yeah, Judge Rinder. If you're Judge in the Rinder, UK, quality. quality. Oh, quality entertainment, everybody. It's quality entertainment. ITV half half one PM. What is this? We're not sponsored by ITV. In fact, I'll go far as to say is don't watch I've, it. What have I got? I've got a contract here for twenty million dollars that they've just. I'm not just, selling it out, right? I'm just gonna have to. There you go. Tear, Good lord, have you, have you seen? <laughs> Gone. <laughs> have you seen Love Island? Oh my god, it's utter I have seen nonsense. Love and my prayers have been answered because it's not on this year. Thank God. There's one good thing that about this pandemic. It's that Love Bring Island is no longer. Say what you will. Yeah. Awful. X Factor is on ITV. Dreadful. <laughs> it all ended. We it all, it all went downhill after Harry Hill. Are we talking? Are we talk? Are we talking about Planet of the Apes? Or We're talking ITV about the courtroom scene, actually. So let's get back to it before I. <laughs> oh, because I said Dundrinda. Yeah. Okay. You said Dundrinda, and I went on around about ITV. Um. Although, with that said, ITV, uh, hire me. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. You're blacklisted now. I'm bla- yeah, bla- yeah, blacklisted. Um, yeah. But the courtroom scene, anyway, it's really interesting, isn't it? it? It's, again, just like the whole movie, it's a bunch of apes in a fantasy universe, but it has so much deeper meaning. Again, about rights, religion, science, politics. I mean, the ministers literally are unwilling to hear the truth. And we actually see Zayas take matters into his own hands to hide the truth during the scene when he lobotomizes that um, one of the other ast- other astronauts. I forget his name already, but I noticed the that the ministers were actually who fell doing off the, the cliff. Yeah, that guy. The uh, the the ministers were actually doing the the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I thought that was a fun reference. The guy on the left covering what, his eyes. Malta? No, the. Um, like an old oh, proverb. They, um, yeah, it's like the, the movie's named after the old proverb of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Um, and the, the monkeys... Oh yeah, are, when, the, when one, one of them has to is it when they're like talking, when they're talking yeah, from, truths. From left to right, he's covering his eyes, the middle one's covering his ears, and the next one's covering his mouth. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Why were they doing that though? I don't know, but it was a nice little uh, reference to, to say that like, they don't, they're just not, they're not willing to hear what they don't want to hear, which yeah, and that's again like, has a powerful message can, in politics today. That's just like, not just politics, it's like yeah, just general, yeah. like society. And I would say anyway, I mean, we see Zayas uh, minded. Yeah. We, we see Zayas quote the religious sacred scrolls as evidence against science. And I was like, that's, that's yeah. pretty on the nose. 
Wow. So yeah, very Ricky Gervais. If you've uh, listened to him say <laughs> stuff, yeah, Talk it's about uh, religion and stuff like that. Yeah. So I just love that. I just love that scene. It has so many messages. It's got tension, even though it's just a bunch of people in monkey outfits. It, it's actually it keeps <laughs> you on edge. A bunch of people in monkey outfits and Charlton is in his pants. Yeah, He's and been somehow to speak any movie that could make that could make you take that seriously and actually feel something about it and see the deeper meaning. Uh, props yeah. to them. Chef's kiss. Mwah. The highest praise on this podcast. Um, um, yeah. I thought with Jinx. Anyway. <laughs> um, really cool. Uh, can we just quickly, Charlton Heston has like three iconic lines in this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, no, four actually. Four. Um, I only counted three, but yeah. Four. I've got well, four. I'll be curious to know. Number four. So take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yeah. I mean, that's that just like everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, you cut up his brain, you bloody baboon. Yeah. That one's good as well. That one made me chuckle. Yeah, I didn't write um, that one down, but, but yeah, that is. Obviously, definitely. the one at the end. You maniacs. You blew it and up. Then, uh, it's, a, it's a madhouse when he's getting sprayed with the hose. Oh, my God. That's great. I was like, they hurt. It's when you get a madhouse. This is Charlton Heston. It's great. I, I love his performance. Again, he's like Nicolas Cage. He just has a no, flavor. Like, I couldn't get Troy McClure from The Simpsons out of my head. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Um, fun fact. I found out the other day. I didn't know this. I don't know how I didn't know this. Nicolas Cage is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah. I didn't know is. this. Yeah, they've got a big fan. They've got big a fan. famous family. If you look at their family tree, the, Coppola's father composed a lot of the music for The Godfather. And um, so, so Sophia Coppola, and um, I think oh, I, I don't know. One uh, of one of I his other remember. nephews is a filmmaker and writer as well. Powerful. Yes. I anyway, can't remember what his name is. Yeah. Um, after the court scene, we get to meet Lucius, the Zyra's nephew. Who is very much like um, the, uh, at the time, it was probably the anti-Vietnam War people, like kids, like all the college kids who were anti-draft. Yeah. They were protesting, they were, and then that was very much like, I think I got a very, I've, I did that with my history classes and uh, I did the Vietnam War. So I know a lot about all that stuff and how, mm. like I'm being very vague and I'm claiming I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um no, but like young people at the time were very much like anti-step, anti-government, anti-step because they yeah. caused the Vietnam War for basically no reason. Well, no, yeah, literally yeah. no reason, I would say. And Ooh, that take. was what that that kid was definitely. He was like, "Well, why is, why do we have to listen to the government?" Yeah, I love, I loved his line. You can't trust the older generation because he sees yeah, them as, as a bunch of dinosaurs. And he also says, um, "What happens to something like what happens to progress? What happens to the future?" I, I think liked. young people to um, around our our like around current like in the UK political things might have a similar outlook. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously not to not to not to an extreme uh, as because we were not we're not at war, but we did have yeah. uh, Brexit. But yeah, it's um, I, I liked his character, but at the same time, I I, I um. Him, I'd say Lucius and Zaius are polar opposites. 
Yeah. And Cornelius and Ziva are kind of in between because they get tradition and they get science, but they're, they're also kind of a bit old. They were, they were a bit like, yeah, we'll go to prison. Yeah. Like, well, and whereas what? Lucius you, was you like, fundament- no. You fundamentally disagree with this society, but you're still willing to live in it. I guess because yeah, it's, it's all you know. But I see the so. again, I see the points of Lucius him saying, Why hide science? But I also understand that Zaius is just trying to hide it for what he sees as the benefit of his people. So the greater good. Exactly. Know, like and he's the he, greater yeah. good. I'll I'll talk about Zaius is I'll I'll wrap up on Zaius at the end because I've got quite a bit to say about him and what he does in the final scenes. Well, but we could sort of uh um, when they're at, skip to the cave scene, that was uh, really which like, which which one where they go the to chart, the where, where they well, there's like start, a doll. Oh yeah, that one, the kind of excavation. Yeah, because um, they go there and uh, like I I found it quite funny how Charlton Heston like sees like a proper like human doll and he's like, hmm, the pl- people on this planet before you must have evolved yeah. in a very similar way to my planet. And I was like, he no, picked, dude, it is your planet. He picks up a guy's glasses. glasses. Yeah, and, and a valve. Yeah, and he's for, like, for the heart. And uh, yeah, now the heart valve. He's like, hmm. although this man may have been slightly different to me, it appears we're very much the same. And they're like, because you are. Have you not put two and two together at this point? <laughs> Why would a human doll talk? And why would it look very similar to ours? <laughs> My God, I, was, I, was, I remember this exact doll from when I was a child. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have surprised me. It's like, my God, like a big zoom on his face. They did the Statue of Liberty too. <laughs> that would have been a great <laughs> ending. Got to credit. Got to black. Got to black. Well, the credits. coincidences never cease. <laughs> well, these coincidences start plaguing my mind. I did think... Um, I'll, I'll actually I'll talk about it here. I'll wait till the end about the Statue of Liberty and stuff. But I had some opinions on how that was executed. Um, Is it? Um, yeah. So then, then there's like this weird shootout with the gun with no clip in it, and uh, yeah. for some reason, I don't even know what triggered it. I don't even know what happened. The guards decided to jump uh, um, Lucius, even though he wasn't. He was only feeding the horses and didn't actually do anything wrong. I, I don't know what then, the aim was like, there. And then, like, that guy was surrounded. They could have easily, like, shot him. Yeah. And, and, and you know, missed Dr. Zeus, but they were like... Zeus was just like, stand no. down. And they were like, okay, they just walk. They literally just walk off. They don't even stay <laughs> there. Go, All right, see you later. Yeah, we're out. <laughs> Come on, guys. Maybe it's, maybe in ape society, like, Zeus's word is like, okay, you just do that now. Well, yeah, you can imagine. Yeah, if you're an ape ape living in ape society, listening to this in the far future when um when human civilization is wiped out and apes are taken over, uh, please feel free to leave a comment. Yeah, thank you. If you discover this podcast in um some weird relic, then yeah, yeah, um, kiss kiss. (laughs) We love apes. (laughs) I'm doing a thumbs up to the invisible, the non-existent camera. One thing I will say, I I do like how. Um, even the forward-thinking apes uh, like Zero and uh, Cornelius still address humans like their lower life forms. I noticed that, especially in the last scenes, they were like the human and his woman and his female. But then again, Heston refers to her as his female at one point, and I was like, "What? My, my female?" <laughs> yeah, it was. Weird. That's just what he did, like you know, off camera as well. Yeah, he was just like kind of. <laughs> Bring please, me my female. Please don't sue us. Please don't sue us. Uh, the Charlton Heston estate. 
you know, uh, kiss kiss. We love Charlton. We're a pro Charlton Heston podcast here. But um, again, we get we get to be shown how religion is used to control the masses, um, which is actually a theory in real life of why it exists in the first place. Um, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. A valid theory for why religion exists is because it was so lawless and it was so hard to control people in ancient times that they put, yeah, literally put the fear. Of, yeah, they, they put the fear of God in them and said, "If you do bad things, you'll go to this horrible place forever." So that's essentially where religion came from. It's a theory. So they kind of play wow. that up in this film and show that, which I liked, because Zayas literally gets deep. out his scroll. Yeah, he gets out a scroll film called Planet of the Apes. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. This film has so much meaning. He pulls out the scroll and is like, uh, yeah, on the fifth day, the great ape said, let there be no humans and be domesticated and whatnot. And then they're like, oh, well, that means our theory on evolution is dumb. And I was like, yep, they, oh, they're literally geez, controlling. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm going to have to have a lie down of these yeah. things that take it out. I mean, just on this watch, I picked up on a lot of these themes because the last time I watched it, I was quite young. So. Yeah, it's just, it's a great movie just as a movie, like The Breakfast Club, like we uh, covered last week. It's oh, a great movie just fantastic. as an adventure. It's a great film. But for adults who get that kind of message, it has a lot of deeper meanings. And these are the best kinds of films. All the best films have a, a very simple premise that's executed perfectly and has underlying meanings. And that's why I keep finding I know, all these so movies. Me. Themes are for eighth grade book reports. <laughs> that's a Themes? quote from a. That's a quote from a, a, a one of the Game of Thrones showrunners. Really? Yeah. Good lord. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm speechless. So the so the final scene. Um, can we skip to that? The um, one that gets spoiled literally anyway. Well, Right. The last thing I want to mention, if, actually, we'll do the final scene and then I'll cover Zayas a bit more because I want to definitely want to yeah, talk about it. Well, it's sort of a sort of similar, yeah. basically the same point in the film. Anyway, but the final scene, uh, I mean, everyone knows it. It's on the if you go Google the DVD, it's on the cover, so it's hard to be. Yeah, that's kind of surprised. Why would they do that? <laughs> it's like having the dead when Godfather I, I, on the Blu-ray. Like, when like I with download mine. when I when I bought rented this online to watch it, but on the thumbnail. Really? Thing. Wow. Monkey, big monkey face. Jesus. Bur- burn out Statue of Liberty. Why? 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 Why do they? Why? I know it's iconic, but if you've never seen it, at least give the people a chance. If they've managed to avoid <laughs> that somehow their whole life, let don't ruin it at the last second. It's anyway. like um, if um, you know, episode uh, episode five, uh, Empire Strikes Back, I am your father was on the DVD yeah, speech cover. bubble. A big oh arrow, Luke's secretly Luke's dad. <laughs> just a picture of Darth Vader, <laughs> Luke's dad. Must watch. He's holding a, a card that says happy birthday, dad, from Luke. It's very much like a YouTube thumbnail with big red circle and like, <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And someone going, you won't believe what like happens fake, in this movie. <laughs> clearly faking going, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they ruined this ending because it's one of the greatest endings in cinema and to have it ruined if you've managed to avoid it somehow is um if you've lived under a rock because everyone yeah. knows this this is definitely the kind of thing but, if i have kids i am your father and this ending are the kind of things i'd want to make sure i want to make sure they see these movies early on you document so that, it yeah so that put it on they, youtube get that sweet ad revenue i've written here um in my, in my notes absolutely fantastic twist ending i think even if you know the the 
imagery, the message still impacts you because you have the context of the entire film behind it. And well, everyone knows you maniacs. Like, like yeah. when I before I watched this film uh, yeah. for this episode, I thought, "Oh, the monkeys blew it up." Really? But then I was like, "Well, I, I just assumed I was like, oh, the monkeys evolved because that's what's happening in the um, in the new movies." Yeah, the circus. That's why the I don't. Monkeys, I, li- I don't like the, the premise of the new movies. Infects with a with a virus, and then they become super intelligent, and then eventually, I guess, eventually take over. Yeah, that's why I don't. Uh, they like haven't them. done it. Yet. <laughs> it says they're they're prequels technically to the original. They're not technically canonically, but it's kind of a what if. Um, but I yeah. didn't. I, as much as they look like impressive movies, they've never caught my interest because they seem more about action and than story. I don't. I might be wrong, uh, but also the fact that they don't seem to connect basic dots, like the fact that they say this wasteland was created by humans and look at what you've done, you maniacs. I was like, whoa, there was a virus and then the, the monkeys took over? This doesn't make sense. Oh, so press the nuke buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the last resort. Maybe the humans nuke the earth as the last resort. So, but, anyway, but, that, but, so I thought like, oh, the monkeys took over and blew up the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. But then I was like, oh my God, the humans did it. Yeah, so at least you had that, that was, in a way. And then I got the phone message. This we live in society. It sort of ruined it for me. But, you know, <laughs> I found out a terrifying fact the other day re- relating to this. You're more likely what? to die from an accidental nuclear strike or nuclear incident than you are in a plane crash. What the hell were you googling when you were googling? I was Planet watching. Of the Apes? I was watching <laughs> that. No, it wasn't on Planet of the Apes. I was watching a video about the history of nuclear weapons, as you do. Um, Jesus Christ. And how no, they've been used the in accidents. Cat videos. That's what I was watching. Uh, we live in a society, uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of cat videos and nuclear bombs. But yeah. Oh, no. It was a video about how this kid built a nuclear reactor in his yard as well. Isn't that from the Big Bang Theory? <laughs> yeah, it's basically young Sheldon. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, so that's terrifying. Anyway. So, uh, Doctor Zaius. Uh, so, we, no. So, we have the big, like, I mean, it's a bit weird. Like, the Statue of Liberty, like, it doesn't look anything like New York. How did it get? There? Um, I thought maybe it washed up over thousands of years, or maybe just because New York was nuked, it got turned into that. Fun fact: most of this movie was shot in Utah and yeah. uh, Malibu. So, wow, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, for me, the ending. Um, <laughs> It was a bit on the nose when he says, all this time I've been at home. It, it just felt a little I, I on the nose. It. I like the whole scene, really. But it, that's before like, they fully... Re- I, like how the, uh, I like how the mute girl just like goes, like a proper eyebrow raise to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh. But I, he okay. says that before we see the Statue of Liberty fully. Well, no, you, and, well, you know, you see the tor- you see the torch, and then you see the spikes, and then yeah, it goes like but wide. it's it's kind of implied. But if you haven't quite got it, you might be thinking, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." So for him to say before it's revealed, "I've been at home this entire time," was a bit underwhelming. I would have liked it if he just started freaking out and screaming and cursing and hitting the floor and screaming, "Look, what have you done?" and stuff like that. And then fistfuls of sand. Yeah, and then it and then it shows the Statue of Liberty, and then you put two 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 together rather than him saying, "I've been at home this whole time," and then freaking out let the audience put those two things together. I think it would have been more impactful. But yeah, whatever. What do I uh, know? Should we go to um, Dr. Zayas? 
Yeah, well, and also and sort of the he, final thing is uh, the fade to credits was great because there was no music, just the sound of waves. And it makes yeah. you think, it gives you time to think about this. It knows that the audience is like, what? And so they what let you, th- they just, yeah, no music to play you out. They just literally sit you there, let you sit there and watch the credits in the theater, probably just like with your jaw dropped to the floor. So yeah, Gr- br- the doctor says, brilliant um, ending. Yeah. Just before this, he goes, he'll find his destiny. I was like, why? I, I love then, that. Yeah. And they sort of like, so the big reveal is he knew that humans destroyed themselves. So throughout the whole film, that's why he's been like, humans can't be this, humans can't be that. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah the guy's a bad guy, but he's doing it because he knows what humans can do. That's why he's like basically yeah. de-evolving them. To I mean, I basically docile. wrote an entire essay, not essay, but I wrote quite a bit on uh, Zeus. And um, we are I getting think- to like the hour and 15 minute mark here so uh yeah if we want to fit the rest of the podcast and you're gonna to have to condense <laughs> I'm gonna, that i'm gonna well basically what my point was was that were these scriptures even wrong about men because when you hear them it's like they talk about greed murder war stealing and you and and he's like these people while maybe they were good as a whole this they were plagued with these emotions and these did these evil yeah. desires and I kind of agree with him. Like, man did this to the earth. They destroyed the planet that gave them life. And he doesn't understand why, which shows that in his heart of hearts, he's a good person. He wants what's best for the world and his people. Yeah. Um, and it shows that he is morally superior in a way to most humans because he's, he has better morals. He, so, got a, a better sense of perspective, I would say. Yeah. He, he understands that what he does is wrong. Yeah. But he has, you know, he's not all about about denying the past and saying that apes are superior, but he's also not all about revealing the entire truth because he knows it will cause chaos in society. Yeah. So in a way, he's a very skilled politician. Um, he's kind of, I loved his quote about man. He said, his wisdom must fall hand in hand with his idiocy. His emotions must rule his brain. He must be a warlike creature who gives battle to everything around him, even himself. He's right. And I so, think that's a, a fantastic note to fade out. Yeah, um, I mean... Uh, the, we would give Planet of the Apes 1968 uh, thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't do ratings, but because I hate ratings, but I just love this movie so much, I'd have to say it's perfect. It's not rating, wow. it's just perfect. Wow. So, I mean... How many it, films have we done so far that we've said are fantastic? Yeah, but I'd say out of all the films we've done, even though I prefer The Godfather as a movie, this film has less flaws. It's it's I enjoy it the most. I don't appreciate it as much as a movie as say The Godfather, but it I, I personally see it as a perfect film. You've heard it here, here first, ladies and gentlemen. Sunny yeah, I has Sunny mean- <laughs> says the ape film with yeah. Uh, cardboard sets is better than the Godfather. Exactly. And, and uh, with that, we're going to move on to our rant segments. <laughs> that's that's why I, I love. It. First. That's why I it's love it so much. Time for calm though. down, Kubrick. Thank you. I want to talk about. So I'm going to. 
I'm going to double in with our news. I'm going to sort of combine them. Right. Uh, this week, at time of recording, I don't know when this is going out, uh, the, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is coming out. And I couldn't care less. And I'm a bit annoyed, but I don't really care because I didn't like the film when I saw it. And I don't like it now, even though it's what, two years later or three more than, yeah, that it was a, it was a disaster when they, when it came out because they put too much money into it for starters. They reshot it. I mean, there was horrible, um, there was horrible tragedy with Zack Snyder and his, uh, family. Yeah, that was awful. And they got Joss Whedon in. They should have just like, they should have stepped back because it was rushing their cinematic universe and this film basically just killed it in one fell swoop. Yeah. And now, and now they're making the new, just doing a new cut of it, but it'll just be pretty much the same. I mean, they're doing reshoots. I don't know how they're going to really do it in lockdown. Yeah, apparently. Um, what? So, what will it be like? Four hours? Like, I mean, most of Zack Snyder's films require a director's cut, apparently, because Watchmen did, and I don't like Watchmen. I think I, I don't think Watchmen deserve is should be a film. It should never adapt the comic in the first place because sort of takes away from the point. Yeah, um, Three Hundred is just boring. I don't like it, and uh, Batman vs Superman is a train wreck, and so is. Justice League and Justice League is probably the one that I give so much leeway to because of the the production and that. But yeah, just definitely. the size cut is the most pointless thing in the world, and it's on HBO Max. I don't know what that is in the UK. I don't. Know I don't know. If we'll probably on. never get it. I mean, geez. but I mean, it's a good. I can see the. I've got a positive spin on this. Um, people, uh, filmmakers are getting what getting to do what they want for. You know, like it, it's a good thing for like filmmakers and their vision. Yeah, the I mean, but, regardless um, of if you like the film or not, this is a good for him because he gets to it's uh, do complete his creative vision for what he saw. It's good for Snyder, but it's not good for the fandom. It's I'd not say. good for us. It's not good no. for us um, uh, because it's yeah. and it also panders to uh, the toxicity of the people who have been like. Yeah, there's a big yeah. I've got a big thing to say about that on this. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's just my little segment because this episode's quite getting yeah. quite long, so I'll um, sort of condense it quickly. I'd say for me, I enjoyed Justice League. It was a perfect film by far, but I was willing to see past its faults because I love these characters, and I don't think they were done yeah. an injustice to it. Just wasn't the best it could have been. Um, if you want a good Justice League movie, play the Injustice games. <laughs> I just I'll link that link that back. But um, yeah, I'd say. Mark Bernardin of the Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond now podcast had a perfect quote Is it about called this. Fat Man Beyond now, yeah, because uh, the oh. legal issues with Batman, they didn't want to get sued, so they just like steer away from that. Um, the oh. yeah, after uh, Bernardin had a great quote about this, which ties into what we were saying last week about fans and not necessarily giving them what they want because it it can lead to things like the rise of Skywalker. Um. He said, Which, it's better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to that eventually. It's better if fans oh. don't get what they want. That's not what being a fan of a fan of things is about. This is his quote. It's not what being a consumer of art is about. We don't get to dictate the art we get. We get to be the receiver of the art we get. Even if there's something that we loved and we've devoted time and energy and passion to, we need to reserve the right to be surprised by it. And by giving us what we want and what we expect is never the path to being surprised by anything. 
Um, and then he brings up the example of uh, the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. He says, you know, yeah. fans never would have asked for that, but it was necessary. It's something you didn't want, but something you didn't know you needed. Yeah, um, because everyone wanted... Uh, yeah, I, I'm exactly. Resident Game of Thrones expert, me. Uh, so people wanted, you know, after uh, Ned died in book one and season one... Spoilers. spoilers. Um, people wanted, oh, Rob's now going to kill all the Lannisters. And that that's just not what the story is. And then... I mean, eventually the Game of Thrones does become what it's supposed to not be, but... You know. Yeah, same happened to Star Wars. They did that with Luke. It's literally a parallel. And then the fans freaked out, so they went in the complete opposite direction and gave them exactly what they were asking for, which caused kind of... Yeah, I would, I would definitely yeah, say... I don't get it. I would definitely say, um, yeah, he's got... I'm, I completely agree with him. Like, I, yeah, because, absolutely. Because the reason we become fans is because we're surprised by something and it changes our perspective of whatever we're watching. Uh, yeah. You know, that's uh, being surprised is what makes you love it so much. That's what yeah, makes I couldn't comprehend love. sitting in the cinema through, um, well, the biggest controversial film I've watched that I have a biggest opinion on is The Last Jedi. Star Wars comparisons again. But when Snoke's cut in half, ding, 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 ding. Luke's, Luke's the way he is, I wasn't sat there going, oh God, this isn't what I expected because I didn't go into it expecting anything. Sure, it was a bit weird when he milked a sea cow and drank it, but I could look past that. <laughs> Absolutely, movie, The movie Love wasn't that. flawless, but it was brilliant and it did the right thing for the franchise. And franchises made- should always be progressing they shouldn't pander to the fans the prequels didn't the sequels didn't in the same way that as bad as justice league is it didn't do anything any pandering to anyone you know it it, it just made a it just made a stupid film that didn't really make yeah, sense they, he made his movie he told his story props to him props to Zack snyder um yeah good what, good on you mate what defines a fandom isn't giving them what they want it's what defined it in the first place which was going away from the norm and doing something that was unique and interesting and as soon as you start pandering to fans, it divides the fan base. Make the movies you want to make and let the fans fall in line and find it and like it rather than you don't let the fans steer the ship, let the studios steer the ship. And those fans can either choose to stay on it or jump off. That's my view. I think you, you focused on films, but I think it just applies to well, any fandom story. in general. Yeah. You write your, you do, you do your thing your way and people who are actually <laughs> passionate will stick around. Exactly. That's just how it works. I mean, the final bit of the quote I've got here is, he said, I think fandom, in any way, getting to be behind the wheel of something is dangerous, and that studios, to any degree beyond courting the support, but rather bowing to the demands of the fans, feels a bit, this way lies madness. I agree with him there. Like, listen Uh, to uh, them, but don't pander to them. The second season of Westworld got rewritten because someone guessed it on Reddit. Really? Wow, and I think I think I think that's I think because the guys on Westworld are very talented. I think it's sort of oh, weird, yeah, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've watched uh, I'm up to date on Westworld and I, I've loved every minute. But I can see why people have gone off it because it. But um, they're just talented. But I wouldn't say that's like they should do that every time. George George R. R. Martin said when the I was listening to an interview with him or I was watching it. I don't know. And um, he said someone has guessed the ending to his books. Like they guessed it, like when the first one came out. Yeah, and he said, and he said to himself, "I could make, I could change it, but what's but the I point? Won't because that's that's not the point. That's I've. This is my story. I have spent it. Yeah, I mean, how many decades. people have? Yeah, how many people have predicted the ending to Westworld and um, 
Game of Thrones. Like it's a very it's a minority, and either way, they don't know that that theory is right until the end. So the so people yeah. can still be surprised by it. The Just only person the only person who knows is the person writing that exactly. It, or book. the likelihood is out there. Someone will always predict the ending to something statistically. People have people have way too much time yeah. on their hands. I mean, I've not watched <laughs> season two of yeah Westworld. Um, cause I thought season one was so perfect. And I heard a lot of complaints about season two and I, I am going to watch it just cause I want to see three, but the first I season think, is such a no, perfect I, show. And, um, it's I don't see what I don't, yeah. I wouldn't want to change the vision for the next, for what comes after and, and, and change what the writer, cause I've actually, this ties into my next segment a little, but the anatomy of story by John Truby, um, I've been reading it recently. Do you want to get on with your? Do you want to yeah, get on I'll, with your second? I'll get up on my soapbox. It's it's about Unreal Engine, but I wanted to also have a small secondary soapbox about the anatomy of story because uh, I was going to cover it. We'll cover it next week, but I wanted to briefly relate it to this kind of Zack Snyder fan cut because it was relevant. Um, in the fact that when you have a vision for a film or a story, the premise is everything. That's a big thing that established that's established in the book. You have a vision. Yeah, it's your definitely. story. Tell that story. So letting the fans steer the ship is wrong. Changing the story because someone guessed it was wrong because that because you're destroying the foundation of your story. And without a good foundation that you truly believe in, personally, that story will never be good. So if you divert things or change them for the sake of others, then it's gonna it's not gonna be any good. That's just a fact. So while I, yeah, to conclude on the Snyder Cup. I'll watch it. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting piece of film history. But I think I'll it should have it, it should have come from pay that. for it because yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not really. I'm not. I'm a, or I just won't watch it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm if no it comes to Amazon really. in the UK or Netflix or something, I'll watch it then. But I'm not going to pay for it. But the and, and can I just add something I forgot to mention earlier? Yeah. They went. They lost money making Justice League. Jeez, really? Because they went. It made like what two hundred. 200 million or maybe maybe 500 million or whatever but they put like 700 million into this film it was like the biggest budget in for a movie because wow. they had to do like 10 they had to do like re- reshoot after reshoot and you know like yeah. rejig everything I'll, and now they're going to put more, they're, now they're going to put more millions of dollars into recutting the film <sighs> and then and then but then they say that it's going to be on HBO Max so it's like, do you have to pay for it on HBO Max, or is it, or is HBO Max paying for this? Um, there's only so much you could do to polish a turd. <laughs> is my Ooh. view. Like, it's not that bad, but the, the analogy still applies. Where, yeah, I, I find it hard to believe. Like, I, like I said, story and storytelling is a natural thing. It's a, it's a fluid. It's a human thing, and it should come to you naturally and you should just tell the stories you want to tell. And when you mess with a movie to this point, it's like the special editions of star Wars. When you mess with a piece of art to this point, I don't mind the special. Editions, I don't, I don't mind them much, but some of the edits are a bit odd. And some of the editions, I mean, I don't, I, they're the only versions I've ever watched. Yeah. That's how, that's how well, I've, I've, I am. I've owned, wow. several, <laughs> I've owned several of the editions and some of the changes are very jarring. They're not the worst thing in the world, but what I'm saying is, Every time you go back to an original piece of art that's told from the soul and change it a bit, it affects that story because it's not coming from that person anymore. It's coming from either their future self or uh, someone who's been disillusioned or is, is angry with the fans or is giving in to the fans. And I just think when someone tells a story, they should tell their story and that should be it. 
So yeah, but that's, that's never going to happen audience. because uh, studios love money. Next segment, should we move on? Hargy, hargy! I declare myself pickled tank. Shut your fucking mouth! Shut the fucking cunt! Boy, that escalated quickly. Unreal Engine. You might be thinking, what the heck is that? I have mentioned it in a previous episode. It's used to make games a lot, but it's also been started to use uh, for VFX. Fortnite. I think of virtual production. That's what they yeah, made. They made Fortnite Epic games. I mean, they um, they must be their profits must be going through the roof because they're getting involved well, in a new, things like a the new, Mandalorian um, and Fortnite. Unreal and, Five's come out, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's what. Um, and people were angry. I was like, okay. Oh, I don't get it at all. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are people angry? Anyway, what? So, what do you want to say? This is going to change not only video games forever, but cinema forever. Wow. Um, the Unreal Engine 5 demo was just brilliant. They showed a little demo of it, and there's, there's this new what technology. Um, well, there's this new technology called Nanite and Lumen, two, two different technologies. Um, and basically they like Nanite. different plugins, stuff like that. Um, kind of, I guess. I, I, they, ju- they just called them technologies. Tools. I don't know whether they'll be plugins. Tools. Yeah, tools. They'll be tools, or, yeah. Yeah. They're basically, they're automating a lot of processes, but they're also, anyway, I'll just get into it. It's amazing. Um, it, they basically allow photorealistic environments and lighting to be rendered in real time. So you know how when you watch a movie like, uh, just like the Marvel movies and you see a building End collapsing. Game. Yeah. That building yeah. collapsing in VFX would take months to render. <clears throat> That's why you can't have graphics like that in games. Cause it all has to be rendered here and now, here and now, like every time the player moves, it has to render that scene I or mean, that to be, view. To be fair, they do have a lot of uh, realism <clears throat> in games. I mean, exactly. Red Dead and, but there's I mean, always more recent, obviously. But if you saw a real human in those environments, it would be jarring. You'd think it was bad. It's only because comparatively, as a whole package, it looks good. Um, yeah. So, but is this like proper like? Oh yeah, this is like um, basically Nanite is able to losslessly. So you know, like compression. Oh yeah, um, without lossless compression. compression. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. It, it compresses without losing any data. Essentially, any significant data without affecting yeah. the quality. And it does this to the three D models. It scales and streams it movie quality 3d models with millions or even billions of polycons in real time i could have used this for something i was doing a few weeks ago yeah it's i mean this is coming out in 2021 so it's still a while away but basically they they walked into a room with a statue at one point this is where my brain was like cool this statue is made up of 33 million yeah 33 million polygons on a single statue. And what they'll usually do in games is they'll texture it and they'll use these things called normal maps to simulate lighting and to simulate textures. Well, so that it's map, actually a firm. So yeah. specular maps simulate how it reacts to lighting and normal maps creates like the illusion of a 3D bumpy surface. Like Essentially, yeah. Um, so instead of, for example, if you look at a wall, it's a brick, look at a brick wall. In a game, that would be a flat surface and then textured to create the illusion that they're individual bricks with bumps and imperfections and things. Whereas in a movie, yeah. it might it isn't usually that simple. They'll usually model all of those details because they can afford to render it, spend hours, hundreds of hours rendering it. 
I mean, I, you mean, know, I, mean, I wouldn't say they do that for like, you know, when they're like blowing up New York. Yeah, but if it was a close-up or something, you wouldn't just yeah. normal map it because you, the, the audience would notice. Um, like character models and stuff like that, they don't usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now... Not, they don't do that. Now they're um, basically saying you can have an basically however many polygons or triangles you want in your 3d model unlimited detail essentially and what unreal will do is it will i think it's not 100 percent clear at the moment how this technology works but does it put a genie in your yeah computer i mean do you just get a, a, a lamp it is, you it is it's really it. genius <laughs> um, wow i was gonna say magic <laughs> we've reached a low point um but what it does is it essentially says logically if you have a pixel on the screen it can only display a single polygon you can't display multiple polygons on a pixel that's just impossible because it can only do so much it's a pixel it's literally a tiny yeah. light in the screen so what they said was well they showed a screenshot they said this screenshot is a billion polygons at the source and we can losslessly compress it to 20 million polygons and what they're saying was are you are you having a laugh yeah, a billion polygons losslessly compressed to 20 million. Because think about it, there's only a limit to how oh, many polygons oh you can see God. on a HD screen, isn't there? There's like, yeah. if you times 1080 by 1080, that's close to 20, 20 billion. Yeah. No, it's not. Anyway, the, the point is, they can. We're not a maths the, podcast. We're, yeah. we're not a maths, yeah. But the point is, is they can. Countdown. Yeah, they can render uh, a single polygon to a single pixel. Because that's the most that you can actually physically see on a screen. So yeah, I, I believe that's how it works. So essentially, you can have an unlimited number of 3D models, an unreal, uh, unlimited number of polygons in your 3D models, and Unreal will figure out a way of rendering it to your screen without affecting the quality. Be it, be it through uh, blood sacrifice or genie yeah, or sacrifice a go, which is uh, cauldron or I don't but, know Dumbledore doing something. <laughs> Gandalf. What, the, what this means up. now is that what it means for film is that I imagine they gave the people working on The Mandalorian a preview of this. Because to render things real-time, they have to be fairly basic 3D models in relation yeah. to 3D modeling. It's still detailed, but they have to be clever about it with normal maps, which aren't always convincing. Yeah, you, can't have, you can't have like some fellow walking background, you know? Yeah, Three exactly. billion polygons animated, rendered real-time. Yeah, exactly. And um, the 3D artists aren't, uh, aren't allowed total creative freedom because they have to be extremely careful about how many polygons they're using. But now with this... Otherwise... Yeah. It, but in the case of Unreal, uh, uh, virtual production and The Mandalorian, for example, now they can just film pretty much any amount of detail they want. As long as they have the processing power on set, Unreal looks like it'll be able to say, right, these super detailed models, I can render them real time now. So we can have hyper-real real-time rendered VFX, just like you'd have in a Marvel movie, live on an LED wall with live movements. So you don't have to predetermine the camera shots or anything. It's all spontaneous. The future is now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And we are living it. I mean, I know I went on quite a bit around about this, but it's just so exciting to me. Wow. I mean... It's exciting for me in a sense. I'm, I'm more of a... My sensibilities in terms of filmmaking are more grounded and like... Yeah. I prefer practical stuff, but I mean, VFX is the future, as everyone says. So uh, absolutely, you got to you got you got to get on the bandwagon somehow. So yeah, I mean, I'm interested in, in writing, and um, I, I'd I'd be happy to direct my own film one day. Obviously, who wouldn't? But 
Wink, I see my uh, yeah. That's a hint. <laughs> unless your ITV producers listening. <laughs> yeah, unless your ITV, obviously, because uh, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by ITV Studios. It's brought to you by the BBC. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but yeah, um, I see the VF like John Favreau. I have the view that VFX is the future of yeah. film, and you have to get into it now because they're adapting VFX to to the older generation of filmmakers now. So they're creating these. Like they did in the Lion King. They're giving them VR, but they're creating physical buttons and things well, to simulate Irishman, what they used to. Yeah, would, no one in there, no one would ever think Martin Scorsese would go. Well, I'm going to digitally de-age people. Yeah, exactly. It, I, it, I wouldn't until I saw it. I was like, what? The I'd f- say it's what? unavoidable at this point. So, a good understanding of VFX is of VFX is going to be essential to being a filmmaker in the future. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's exciting. Will be just be pretty soon. Actors will be in. Irrelevant. They already brought robots. back Peter Cushing from the dead. Yeah, they brought back. Um, they're going to bring back James Dean, who's been dead what eighty years, and he's good. It's Lord. not a remake of his film. It's just because they thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They went, "Who's going to? Who's the best actor to play the role in this film?" I don't know. James Dean, the guy who's been dead since the fifties. <laughs> you know, uh, because because he died tragically. And they were like, hmm, yeah. I wonder who. And they went, no, we'll digitally recreate him. We'll, we'll triple the budget of our film. I'll never. Yeah, I'm all for VFX, but that that that's redundant. That's stupid. Use it. <laughs> use it. Use it creatively, or don't yeah. use it at all. Use it. You don't, don't use, use it for using its sake. You don't. Yeah, you don't use it to. Well, you do use it to create art, but you, your its primary function in filmmaking is to enhance the art and the story. The purpose it's is not to, to go. This person impossible. will be cool. Yeah, it's not to go, this person will be cool. I understand why they brought back Peter Cushing for Rogue One, but just to go on a whim, this guy would have been nice to have around now. I mean, not only that, but the moral implications. Anyway, we're getting off track, but, but there's, I um, guess we'll move on to the news. <laughs> the news! The news! That wasn't a, wasn't a thing, that was my voice. I wow, a, that was um, a weird distortion. That was amazing. Wow. This just in... <laughs> I'm on fuck off. I'm on live telly. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck off out of it. I want to fucking hell. Fuck off, you little twat. Sorry. Um, well, we sort of covered the Zack Snyder cut, and we don't want to talk about that ever again. No. Nope. Or anymore. Empire Strikes Back is forty years yep. young today. 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 At the time the of recording. recording. That gives people an idea of that, an idea of how dated, delayed this is. Dated this, <laughs> dated this podcast immensely. But um, Empire Strikes Back, I mean, absolutely, probably the greatest film ever made. Who's to say? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd the have to agree with you there. Greatest film ever made. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's both our favourite films of all time. I mean, my favourite yeah. film of all time is all three Star Wars films combined. Well, yeah, mine's, really... mine's a, a New Hope and Empire, because I think Return of the Jedi wasn't quite on the same level. But Okay, well, that's it. The podcast has now <laughs> ended, everyone. That's, a, Thank you that's what listening. a lot of people say, though. It just wasn't. Yeah, they're all wrong. I'm calling them out. <laughs> I'm starting beef. At uh, me on Twitter, my name is oh, no. at re- real underscore name underscore fake. You can at me. My DMs are closed. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I, I was a bit disappointed that Lucasfilm haven't really done much. I mean, I understand there's a pandemic on, but they didn't even do anything to lead up. Like with yeah. the 40th anniversary of New Hope, they did, well, I mean, Star Wars Celebration. They had like a whole panel. George Lucas like came out of the grave to come on stage. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. But Harrison Ford crashed the plane a week before and he was still there. Yeah. He was trying to get there. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to get there himself. Um, uh, they did that book, that anthology book. And yeah. I was like, I was expecting like, why don't they do 40 short stories? What did they do? It was 40 short stories for yeah, certain 40 point years. Of view. Yeah. And it was like all the background characters. I was like, I was going to do that. I still need to read it, but. I've got it. I read it. It's uh, it's all right. Decent, decent. I do like a good it's short right. story, and I do like a bit of Star Wars. So, Will Wheaton writes one that he did a really good one. Huh. Anyway, but I was a bit surprised he didn't do that. But and but there's a really cool video on the Star Wars YouTube channel. It's like a sort of a mini documentary. It's about four minutes, and it yeah, just sort they- of sort of shows archive footage from behind the scenes. Really cool. Um, Disney did release, I think, a making of the original Star Wars, didn't they? On Disney Plus, was that is that new? I don't know um, if it no, was for this. Two thousand. Uh, so that they have Empire on Disney Plus right now. You can watch Empire of Dreams, which is yeah, this like massive, really amazing documentary that came out in two thousand and four, and it basically just goes over the uh, the creation of everything from episode wow. four to six, and I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend. I got. I got to give that a watch. I've been meaning to, but um, yeah. All uh, they did yeah, for so, this. Um, all they did for this year, to my recollection, is uh, release some fortieth anniversary like action figures on some special vintage cards, like the Kenner cards. Um, that's kind of collectible. Uh, no one. It. No one uses action figures anymore. They're all like. It's all about you know, VR action figures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's I like, I like a good action With figure. Unreal Engine Five, Unreal Engine Five. That, yeah, it's I all connected. It's going to be a thing. That, they're going to be a thing in the past. I love a good action figure, a good collectible. Go on my shelf, but yeah, I expected them to do uh, more. On StarWars.com, they have a gallery of Ralph McQuarrie concept art, which I that's love. pretty nice. Um, yeah, so yeah, slightly underwhelming. Here's to forty more. People are still talking about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, good lord, we'll be. 50 we'll be 50 we'll be 60 talking about it yeah we'll be what, 60 like, years what, old what, like it's the 30th it's the 80th anniversary Star Wars. and that'll be episode 1000 so anyone can look forward to that we'll still be here 1000 long after the non long after i feel like it'll be more uh, than that well i don't know long after the bombs have dropped so we'll still be and here the apes have taken over and the apes have taken over <laughs> Um, some Go quick, ahead. really quick news. I, I was how I get the news for this podcast is um, I go on Reddit. the most reliable. I go on R slash movies and I just scroll through that and I found uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is directing a horror film. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I was like, well, she was in a horror film, so maybe she's experienced. My but, reaction to this is okay. I'm kind of impartial. To I just it. thought it was interesting because I was like, I've never known her. T- I thought she was solely an actor. She was great in Knives Out and uh, oh yeah, yeah, other yeah. things. Maybe it's another Freaky and Friday remake. Maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? Like number four or something. Number ten. Who knows? Yeah. Um, my next little piece of news is that Netflix have censored, or did censor, and then kind of. Uncensored. Un- uncensored after the backlash. Back to the, confusingly, they censored Back to the Future Part Two, and I don't know why. Yes. And I hate it when people tamper with history and art in the same way that well, you we, know. The, what was it? It was the, the first episode, wasn't it? Where we, 
when yeah. we talked about uh, Splash being censored. Yeah, and it's the same argument as the special editions. Um, some of the changes are great, but then sometimes it's like, oh, you kind of just ruined this piece of art. Um, and they did it for Back to the Future. Uh, you know, in the movie, Marty gets the almanac, he opens it up and it, and it turns out, I think, it, is it the teacher? He's He's like slipped it into a, a, oh, a, a bit of a, a raunchy magazine, an adult, mag- yeah. an adult magazine. Yeah. yeah, a parody one called Ooh La La. Marty opens it briefly, flicks through it a little. He's like, Ooh La La, Ooh La La. Oh, gee, this is heavy. And then, like, freaks out. Um, they they show him opening the book, and then they just cut to him like stumbling backwards, and it's really awkward and zero effort. Uh, they just cut it they out. They just go. They just, just go. There's literally nothing that bad in that magazine, and even if there was, it would be on sca- on stre- on screen for like half a second, if that. <sighs> yeah, it's the same argument we made with that um, our splash thing when we talked about that. Disney yeah. Plus censoring that. It's what two seconds? Is it? I don't. Uh, a kid, I don't I, if a kid's watching it, they're not going to notice. Really, is it the motivation that it, they think it's inappropriate, or do they think that it's objectification? Because um, in the end, it's know. history. I don't know, maybe, I mean, and there's still adult things exactly. being made. So, Like, it's not, I it baffles me as to what their aim is with this kind of thing, apart from to annoy people. Because this isn't even that bad. They took it way too seriously. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a dodgy magazine in a book. Like, they still exist today. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand what the motivation was for that, so... Next news. Yep. Um, I've got this. Uh, uh, big comic book fans here. Me, yep. especially. Big yep. fan. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Neil Gaiman, famous author, as uh, comic book author as well as book author. Uh, his fame, like groundbreaking Sandman series is being turned into an audio version with like a, an insanely impressive cast i don't know how he wrangled this yeah we've got uh riz ahmed from taron edgerton james mcavoy michael sheen andy circus wow uh joanna lumley i'm seeing here joanna lumley uh yeah she's <laughs> That's a long pick late lady joanna oh wow literally the same name. oh wow constantine uh, probably a relation to john constantine who's also in it being played by taron edgerton andy circus playing matthew the raven James McAvoy is playing the title character Morpheus or Dream or Sandman or whatever you want to call him. Right. Uh, and Neil Gaiman's narrating it. I mean, that's something to look forward to. Was it, wasn't it a graphic novel though? Yeah. So that poses so it's some a comic. questions. So it's a very, it was like sort of Neil Gaiman's breakthrough work yeah, and it's yeah. really good. From what I've heard, I need to get, I need to get on it because. Yeah, I've not read I it. I really want to read it. I really want to read it. R- read, you want to read, read it? it. Jesus. I want to read it from a shop and read it. I read it from uh, a book. Yes. <laughs> but I, yeah, people were like, wait, isn't it a graphic novel? And yeah. It's been like, yeah, it is, but we're just doing like a, I mean, I guess you could do an audio version. You of can it. adapt it. You can just write in the description. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm sure he has, I don't know how he writes comics specifically but um yeah. Alan Moore, i know how he writes he writes it basically like super detailed so like he'll have like 
two paragraphs just for one panel and then like the 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 artist will be able to draw like the most detailed thing possible yeah that's what you did for some, some definitely choose to uh give the artist more or less creative freedom and so. to be fair it has been like what 20 years since sandman ended i don't know i think or started so i'm sure he's thought about it yeah i'm sure if and you he can probably, write a book a, i'm sure he can adapt a comic book to paper to describe quite easily yeah he adapted good omens exactly. that was a great miniseries great book as well highly recommend i well, love I'm, the i love I'm, the series i love the book I'll definitely give this a, a listen. It's the first yeah. three. So it's on Audible from July 15th. It's the first three graphic novels. And I mean, the, what's not to stop us from, we're not going anywhere, anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, this, that just reminded July, me, but, uh, David Williams is actually giving away free audiobooks to children, I think, which is nice of him. Quick, everyone, fake your age and get... <laughs> get free books get free kids books to listen to at night wait um, is he only exclusive doing kids books i think it's his book damn what what which what? are actually quite good oh, i've read on. a few of them to be honest and they're they're actually decent what, recently <laughs> not recently but some of his earlier ones he's, he's i'm currently reading good. a gangster granny if yeah. you're in the uk oh, you know, that, i've seen some of the movies other countries might not they're always on at christmas no, the, the the tv movies of his uh books. yeah they always make a new one don't they on the bbc yeah. they're not the best but Very they're still weird. nice um yeah next one uh, we got any more news i'll just go over these quickly because it's kind of a uh, new trailer for christopher nolan's new movie tenet looks interesting uh, I don't know. Not necessarily my kind they of thing, are, but well, I mean, we'll give it a shot. Maybe yeah. we'll do an episode on it. I mean, I'm probably not going to go to the cinema to watch it. Yeah, apparently it's coming out in theaters. They they made a, a point on, on the, that. They it's said like, seven, see it in theaters. I yeah, thought seventeenth of July. I doubt that's going to happen, especially not over here, considering they've all been closed by law in the UK. Yeah. So I think they should just just accept it. Maybe when the pandemic's you know blown over, everything's blown over, we're out of lockdown. Then do it, but release it at home like everyone else has been doing. Yeah, or just delay it for God's sake. I mean, it's quite the Marvel films have delayed themselves, so why can't this? Yeah, film? don't endanger people's lives because even if they did open the cinemas, it's probably not advisable to go until. I know Christopher Nolan films are like, you know, they're like mega experiences, like with surround sound. Dunkirk. I wish I saw that in the cinema because I watched it at home. Uh, what the oh i saw it in the <laughs> cinema yeah it was it was 1917 i mean it's not the same but that's another amazing thing that you have to see in the cinemas really yeah there's lots there of, are these films there are these films you have to see in the cinemas uh yeah Blade Runner 2049 is one that comes to mind but i mean if you if you're that adamant at seeing it in cinemas go like delay it don't just go well july 15th it'll probably be fine yeah it's a uh, that's odd um because otherwise uh, only new zealand will be able to watch it and uh <laughs> i mean that's true um michael bay is going to be adapting a book uh, an audio book written by mark Gr- greeny grainy titled armored um Matt apparently... from the simpsons guy <laughs> no mark greeny or something i don't know it's i never heard of him but... michael bay can read i didn't know this, this oh is breaking news <laughs> oh, snap um it apparently is going to focus on a high-risk security contractor who suffers from old wounds, both physical and mental, and reluctantly takes a job working on a heavily armed convoy shuttling UN delegates through Mexico's quote-unquote cartel country. 
Um, now, and it just goes a, on. It's all well and good study, but how many explosions and objectified women are we talking? Well, there's got to be at least have 50 given, of each. Um, have they given otherwise, I'm, I want my money back. Yeah. How many immature jokes that aren't that funny? How many women awkwardly leaning over cars with too tight clothing? Do you have to have I mean, to, for it to be a Michael Bay we, movie? We only ask the hard-hitting questions on this podcast. <laughs> Michael Bay, king of explosions and objectification. He has two movies in the Criterion Collection. Oh. I mean, I think that's just that just proves, right, end, drop the bombs, <laughs> everyone. See you later. We'll, we're signing the out take over. Signing out our ape audience. Hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> And that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that episodes are available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Anchor, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it. Be sure to share this episode, tell your friends, and maybe even leave us a review. Follow the podcast on Twitter at HollywoodPod, as well as on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Taking on Hollywood and you'll find us. You can also follow me at RealNameFake on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Flavor Day Film Club, if you want to check out my short films. Really appreciate it if you check it out. Thanks for listening, and we hope you guys will join us next Friday for another edition of Taking on Hollywood. Please, we need the money. We need the money. Please, send money. Anyway, bye. See ya.